0: The CNBC app, global market news in one place. Customizable sections and personalized alerts. Stocks tracking, interactive charts and market insights all in your hands. Stay connected, stay informed. Download the CNBC app today. A very warm welcome everybody. This is Box. Asian markets sell off and U.S. futures are under pressure amid rising inflation concerns. Tech stocks bearing the brunt on Wall Street. As Tesla shares drop more than 6%. The Nikkei posts steep declines with SoftBank and Tokyo Electron weighing on the Japanese market, while a jump in virus cases sparks calls for stronger emergency measures.
1: Chinese April factory gate prices surge at their fastest pace in over three years, while consumer inflation stays mild amid concerns the chip shortage could push prices higher in coming months. U.S. pump prices head towards eight-year highs, with the Colonial Pipeline still days from reopening. The group behind the cyber attack apologizes, while the White House hunts for answers.
2: So far, there is no evidence based on from our intelligence people that Russia is involved. Although there is evidence that the actor's ransomware is in Russia, they have some responsibility to deal with this.
3: Plus, the Pfizer-BioNTech COVID-19 vaccine will be available to 12 to 15-year-olds in the United States as early as Thursday, after the FDA finds it offers strong protection for young teens.
0: So let's uh, kick off the program this morning. Very good morning by the way. Good welcome. Nice to see you. Welcome. Welcome Steve. Let's um, let's get on to the ThyssenKrupp results that are coming through here. This is the um, German steel business. So the German conglomerate raising its full year outlook uh, within the last few minutes. Uh, this is the second time in 3 months. The company says this is about the global economic recovery driving demand for steel car parts and materials the group now expects adjusted earnings before interest and tax to reach a mid triple digit million euro amount in the year to september having previously forecast to almost break even the uh, company uh, giving us a um, uh, adjusted uh, operating Well, let let me just uh, move on from that one because the numbers are coming through here as I read them. Um, ThyssenKrupp now expecting annual sales to grow in low double-digit percentage range 2020-21. Previous forecast was for growth in the high uh, single-digit percentage range. The uh, group says it now expects adjusted EBIT in mid-triple-digit million euro range level of 2020 to 2021. And I think the really encouraging news here, Anetta, and let's bring you in on this because you're very familiar with this company, is the fact that they now see the Europe division swinging to profit, which as we all focus on how Europe is doing in this reflation story, uh, this should be quite encouraging news for the broader uh, markets that require steel as an input.
2: Yeah, exactly. And I think it's quite interesting. If you talk to manufacturers and also construction um, uh, industry currently in Germany, there is a real shortage when it comes to steel and there is a real shortage when it comes to other components. So I guess we are most likely seeing a huge turnaround story here when it comes to steel demand. And that's what we've already seen with ArcelorMittal um, figures, that steel demand is higher and also the pricing is up for steel products. And that is what uh, we are now also hearing from ThyssenKrupp. Of course, it's positive for the company because they're in a huge restructuring um, exercise after just calling off the merger with Liberty Steel back in March. They now now need to find a solution for the steel business on a standalone basis. They want to have it as an independent solution. So it's all um, possible, like finding a partner, but also listing it. But first of all, they need to have it profitable before... Um, in reaching any of these solutions so what they're now saying order intake as you were saying sales are up by 13 percent and eight percent respectively for from the prior year um, there is a catch-up effect above all coming from the automotive industry and strong demand from restocking especially at steel processors, um, and general business is continuing to pick up. Let me talk to you also about the automotive technology because that's one of the key areas of ThyssenKrupp as well. Here as well, second quarter order intake were up year on year um, by 9%, and the demand was especially strong in China. Here, China. In the steering system, cash of models and damper system. So essentially, again, the story is that demand is strong from China. We've been hearing that from other manufacturing companies um, across the board. And as you were saying as well, they are lifting their outlook. So they're also positive for the full year. The shares had a very good start to the year. They are already up by more than 40 percent. Most analysts are actually recommending to um, buy the shares despite the insecurities looming around the outlook. But still, the shares dropped to roughly four euro in the big sell-off last March and now could recover up to a level of 12 euro. But that back to you.
1: Annetta, thank you very much. Uh, Speaking of big sell-offs, let's take a look at the market action. We saw the technology route again hit the market. It wasn't just on the NASDAQ. We saw early on a fresh record on the Dow intraday, but uh, given the selling that was uh, encapsulated in the technology names, it did drag other exposures south. And as a result, we saw the Dow actually flip into negative territory by the finish. The uh, big name moving stocks, Apple, one of the the dominant stocks that was moving for the likes of the S&P and the NASDAQ, giving us... some of that selling pressure, 2.5% down for the likes of Apple. Microsoft also reversing. Keep in mind, these two stocks in particular have been pandemic winners, some of the preferred exposures for markets. But it was elsewhere as well. You can see even the steeper falls in the likes of Netflix down 3.4%. Facebook reversing 4%. And Tesla, one of the real high flyers of the market, shedding 6.4%. So across the board, we saw that selling FANG Plus stocks. Uh, this is uh, the seventh negative session we've had in eight. So all of those big names that I mentioned are really wrapped up in the selling pressure. Amazon as well. And don't forget we've already had the, the recent earnings report, the show and tell about how the sector is faring. And yet there are more growth concerns that have entered the market. It felt as though we've had twin themes just in two sessions. One, a relief rally unlocked on Friday on the back of the very tame US jobs report. But then a rotation out of the technology sector come Monday. So a closing themes, which has made the, the trade looking incredibly choppy. That said, We've had a glimpse of this type of sell off before, even uh, during the course of last week, some of the aggressive selling, very much around these big technology names. I want to take you to the ARK Innovation Fund, and don't forget Tesla is one of the components here. Uh, 5.2% reverse is what we've had, the lowest level that we've witnessed since November. So uh, some of these big moving technology names, very much seeing the, the flight away from them. In terms of some of the other areas of the market, though, there were sectors that did trade higher. Technology was clearly one of the worst performers, but Utilities was actually one of the better performers. It was up 1%. You also saw some fresh records in industrials, healthcare and staples, which reinforces that rotation argument. Uh, Let's take a look at that Treasury market. Um, One of the, 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 the feelings out there is that we cannot ignore inflation forever, despite the fact that we had that uh, very weak uh, jobs report versus expectations. That said, we're not seeing uh, the uh, concerns expressed in the bond market, so we're still trapped below 1.6 on this uh, US 10-year yield, so we haven't flared up uh, on this particular metric on the markets, but you are still seeing that huge uh, movement out of those technology names at this point. In terms of the Asian markets, uh, a quick look at how they're faring, you can see in the red, Technology names very much feeling the brunt of the sell-off on the back of the action that we witnessed on Wall Street. Let's get over to Matthew Taylor for more from Singapore. Matt.
4: Hi there, Karen. Exactly right. When it comes to those uh, tech names and those tech-heavy markets, we are really seeing a significant uh, sell-down on the back of that 2.5% decline uh, that we did see for the NASDAQ. You can see the picture here right across Asia. Red as far as I can see. China market's just reopening after the lunch break. About a fifth of 1% to the downside when it comes to the Shanghai Composite. We've got wholesale inflation numbers out there showing a hotter print than expected. 6.8% rise in April year-on-year. The market was looking for about 6.5%. But let's give you a look at some of those tech-heavy markets, four of them that we focus on. Japan, now down by 930 points. They've got about an hour left in the trading day there. The Tayex, now down by about 4.5%. Hong Kong, a little bit more contained. South Korea, off by about 1.5%. Japanese market, off by 3%. Here are some of the big names. Sony down by about 3% or so. Let's give you a look at the Hong Kong market and the Hong Kong tech index, because that's off by about 3.6% at this particular moment in time, giving us the Hang Seng just back open after the lunch break, down 2.1%. Elsewhere, if you want to look at markets not particularly exposed to tech, Australia just off by about 1%. Aussie dollar, 7828 I'm showing you this one because it's Budget Day in Australia. We are expecting to see a narrower than originally thought a budget deficit. Still, though, Steve coming in at $155 billion for the latest fiscal year. Back to you in London.
3: Excellent work, Matt. Thank you very much indeed for that. Right, let's get back onto this inflation watch. Uh, Chicago Fed President Charles Evans said he would not consider easing monetary policy until easing monetary policy until employment uh, and inflation pick up. I think we mean tightening, don't we, everybody? I think we do. Uh, he told CNBC he would not mind seeing a 2.5% inflation rate as long. Uh, do you know what? This really is a little bit rubbish. So I'm just going to get straight to the sound that would uh, represent higher wages. uh, That's a bargaining situation. That depends on the occupations, the jobs that workers are looking for. And I think they're looking longer term uh, for what the kind of jobs that might be uh, serious uh, endeavors for them over the next five years, not the next three months. And so I think businesses have to be um, very careful i think that's the labor market adjusting and we'll have to pay attention to its inflationary implications and accommodative monetary policy helps with that job matching but some of that is relative prices it's not going to lead to sustainable inflation over a few years right okay let's get back on track as matt was explaining as we've seen with Tiss and krupp as karen beautifully said at the wall this is all about inflation at the moment now Anybody who's been in the markets 10 minutes knows it's not all about inflation. But at the moment, the headlines are dominated by this very binary debate. And we can just distill it very easily. Is it transitory and base effects as the Federal Reserve and other central banks think and believe and hope it is in terms of what we're seeing on inflationary impetuses, Or is something more meaningful happen happening as well? And so that's debate number one. Two. Are markets acting rationally? Uh, And I would suggest perhaps on the down days, as Karen quite rightly said, we've never seemed to get the follow through on days two, three, four, five at the moment as well, or certainly we haven't so far this year. Are markets actually acting rationally in the face of those concerns? And of course, if inflation does uh, come through into the system in a more meaningful way, uh, it's not just about transitory and base effects, uh, then of course, will the Fed be behind the curve? Because again, another lay on this, they don't want to look at outlooks now. They want to look at outcomes, i.e. does that put them a little bit further behind? i mean, just some of the inflationary impetus we're seeing in the last 24 hours. I know Sam's coming up later on and she's got an excellent report for us uh, on the increases in prices over in China. The factory gate prices were up 6.8% year on year. The steel industry, just looking at copy today, start of the year, reinforced steel bars, We're going for $660 each. They're now $865. Iron ore is hitting record on both the futures and indeed the cash as well. So the question is, when we get this wealth of possibly free-handled data out of the US later this week, consumer and producer PPI as well, uh, is the market going to listen to the Fed and say, "Okay, we know you've got this, you've warned us about this, you've given us the verbal, or actually is there a little bit of trust going to erode? Now, one more point I wanted to make, and I've just basically pulled up a five-year chart are on the S&P and we were almost within days exactly five years ago, half the level we were on the S&P that we are now at 4,188 compared to where we were then at 2000 and around about 90. I'll get a bit of change out of it as well. So the point is, do the markets need a little bit of, I've stripped out, by the way, COVID, nothing to do with last year. I've taken a five year chart and we're double where we were in terms of price. Now, of course, valuations have changed. There's been more earnings momentum in a period, but does the market need to give a little bit more back if indeed inflationary worries are a little bit more persistent than the Fed thinks. Karen and Jeff.
0: Yeah, yeah, let me pick up because I've just got two quick points to make. And my, my point is, I think that depends. I mean, your question, really, the answer depends on two things, I think. One is, what is the ability of corporates to pass this through to consumers in higher prices? And I think that at the moment, Uh, the story is mixed. Um, In the US, I think companies are doing a better job of getting consumers to pick up the extra tab at the moment. I think in other markets, they're not. And I think China is a good example of where there is consumer resistance to pay higher prices. And I think you can see that in the difference, which we're going to talk about with Sam, of the uh, consumer price numbers as against the PPI numbers and anything that relates to factory gate prices in China. So what we're seeing is that companies at the moment are sitting on those higher prices and they're probably taking the margin hit. But it's all important if you want to think about, you know, your discounted cash flow models of what future profits should be valued at at this point. The second point I would make is, and and it comes back to your point, Steve, around transitory. Um, Thomas Barkin, uh, the rich Fed uh, president said a couple of days ago, This is about bottlenecks. We know there are lots of bottlenecks. We had the Suez blocked, that's caused all sorts of constipation in supply chains, which will take a little bit of time to work through. We've had a pipeline shut down in the United States, that is a bottleneck. But more importantly, I think Barkin was talking also about a bottleneck in the labor market. In the United States. And we saw that reflected in that very poor jobs number. The question is why is there a bottleneck in the US jobs market? Is is it because the government support is too high? Perhaps. Is it because childcare facilities have not reopened in the States? Therefore, men are getting jobs, but women seem not to be in this latest uh, set of non farm payroll numbers? Take a look at the numbers. That's what's implied at the moment. I don't want to talk about the traditional argument about which member of the species should be actually looking after the children. But what this this all goes back to is the issue of headline v's core. And every economist worth their salt will tell you that you need to worry more about the core, you need to worry more about wage costs, you need to worry more about labour costs for long-term inflationary pressure than you do current headline pressures around other bottleneck stories. And I think the jury is still out on this because I don't think we're necessarily seeing the wage price going up to reflect what's happening in materials prices.
1: Yeah, I was quite shocked by some research that was put through by DataTrek yesterday and they're just pinpointing the individual markets because if you look at uh, the narrative that we've had so far that you know people are sitting uh, on these big stimulus checks and there's pent up demand and savings have been built up in accounts if you look at the deep pain in the labour market per area, it's still incredibly high. I mean, New York City 11.2% unemployment Los Angeles, almost 11% unemployment. These are huge numbers uh, that we are seeing. Miami, 8.2%. Uh, uh, Philadelphia, 10.6%. This does tell you about how long it is going to take to bring these jobs back into the economy. So what exactly the markets looking at? We know markets priced out several months down the line, but how long will it take to restore this growth back into the economy? I think one of the other points here and why perhaps we're getting this technology sell off, the market is looking at a, a broadening out of growth story. It's not about a, a handful of names now encapsulating uh, the strong growth we are seeing in a market and in an economy, it was very much around those big technology Silicon Valley names. What you're seeing with the stimulus plan is a hope and a feeling that you're going to have to get the breadth of the economy now. So the likes of banking stocks, telecoms and materials will start to benefit from the recovery. So instead of a one bet type of stock market and technology, you are now seeing bets placed across the board, which is why this rotation keeps catching hold, not just one or two weeks, but over the course of time. And I think that explains why, technology as a sector has been a laggard this year versus broader market steve
3: all of the above look at us three all on the same page but it's quite staggering i'll give you one quick anecdote we've got to go a break i went down the wood merchant yesterday they can't get half their products i spoke to someone at the builders merchant they're fighting over bags of sand sounds like inflation to me anyway let's see if there's inflation over at Billfinger, the german industrial group it's confirmed its outlook for the full year uh, and looks to a backlog driven second half despite a first quarter dip. But uh, I'm delighted to say uh, Christina Johansson is waiting in the wings. The CEO will speak to her next. Welcome back. Bill Finger is uh, predicting that its adjusted EBITDA margin will return to pre-pandemic levels by the end of this year. This despite a 5% drop in first quarter revenue, the industrial services provider says increasing normalization of its businesses will help it achieve its 2021 target. Well, I'm delighted to welcome back to the show Christina Johansson, who is the interim CEO of over at Billfinger. Christina, lovely to see you again. Thank you very much indeed for joining us. Are are you being a bit um, cautious? I I read through the statement uh, and it says, we are happy to confirm our 2021 outlook and expect further progress this year. Could you have expanded on your hopes for this year a little bit more for us? Thank you.
5: Good morning, Steve, and thank you very much um, for inviting me. Yes. um, I wouldn't say that we are cautious, but it's still early into the year 2021. And as you saw, we are well on track when it comes to uh, profitability and order intake. Um, but the sales is, is still in a couple of regions a little bit behind. So um, I don't think it is cautiousness. We just want to be, I think, close in quarter two before we really see where this year will end. But uh, first first quarter, definitely well on track and, and a good start.
3: I'm, I'm intrigued. Which regions are you a little bit behind where you want to be?
5: Well, first of all, uh, North America is definitely for us behind um, if we compare with Europe. Uh, Europe already started to ramp back or ramp up in in autumn last year, Um, and also quarter one was was extremely good. Um, America, we see now increase in the pipeline, a number of projects and initiatives coming out, but uh, it will take a little bit longer in America to get back on track again. And then secondly, due to the COVID restrictions that still are in place in Europe, we still are not able really to utilise in the North Sea um, the the full capacities yet. Um, and uh, also, of course, then the, the oil price that is back and is very good, but uh, the COVID restrictions for us and our clients are setting limits for how much work can be performed.
3: Christina, your comments about North America give us a wonderful opportunity to say, do you think that the infrastructure spending in the United States and we can use as a backdrop for this Texas uh, earlier in the year and of course now the colonial pipeline issues as well, have they not just been spending enough on their infrastructure across the energy remit, not just in oil and gas?
5: I mean, we see we clearly see with the new president that there are a number of new initiatives that will support the investments in the infrastructure, especially when it comes to health and education. Um, and these uh, business areas are also important for us. Um, so definitely it's it's getting better. And I think also the trust. Um, that we now are getting out of the COVID pandemic um, is, is, tr- is coming very strong. I mean, North America is even better when it comes to um, that than Europe, as more people in North America have uh, now received the vaccine than in Europe. So, yes, um, the, the decisions taken by the new president and, uh, and during the last weeks um, will will give a boost to the American market for sure. Christina I mean in fact one of the,
0: the services that Bill Finger offers is around industrial cybersecurity so this is a an issue that you understand fairly intimately can I ask you um, is there a lot of vulnerability in um, global markets when it comes to industrial facilities that have critical roles that maybe are under protected? at this time. Um, Is there an opportunity here for you to push this business further?
5: Definitely. I think um, it is a a business that gets increasing importance um, and I think also the awareness has increased. So this is a a fairly small part of our business today, but we offer services in this area and, and they become more and more important. I mean, already before the pandemic, we we lived in a global world. And I think the direction is going back to global world. And cybersecurity is, of course, then in a global operating company, also uh, an important topic. So without doubts, yes.
1: Christina, I noticed in you your announcement today there was a, a mention about M&A activities, but more broadly, your company has been exploring options and uh, recently it was reported that Alltrad's interest in a takeover had fallen away, issues over pricing. Where are you at with discussions with potential partners?
5: Well, obviously, the target for us in the executive board and for our people is to make Bill better and uh, a more successful company. We are not. Uh We are not giving any remarks to speculations or rumours, but uh, given where we are right now, um, I think uh, Bilfinger definitely is ready to make one or another um, acquisition that would support our strategy going forward. Um, And then as always, you have to look what is available and at what price these targets would be available. But I think we are ready to be um, successfully integrated one or another acquisition for sure
1: to confirm are you predator or a prey at this point or both
5: well i think we are clearly um now also looking at our firepower financially we are looking forward to uh, to drive um this development um, and that means that we are looking for targeted acquisitions from our side
0: thank you for listening to squawk box europe express
5: for more market moving news you can head to
0: cnbc.com